All right, good Sunday morning, everybody. Today is May 31st, last day for Historic Preservation Month here in Tennessee. Uh, so yesterday was the Statehood Day for Tennessee, which, um, although Tennessee became a state on uh, June 1st, um, it honors the day that Tennessee became or was admitted as the 16th state in the Union. I was there with the Tennessee. Tennesseans for Living History, and a couple of other uh, separate individuals. I was with Mr. Lynn Fox, and um, really I was there for myself, too. It was really fun. Um, so moving right along, I'll try to sum this up as about as good as I can, but this is going to be a little long. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be over the Fort Sabert Massacre. So Fort Sabert, um, for a long time, this was regarded as one of the worst history, one of the worst massacres in United States history. Still is, really. It was right up there with the Alamo and a bunch of others, or at that time anyway, excuse me. The fort was named uh, for Captain Johan uh, Sabert, uh, which who was my so far back great grandfather. He was uh, from the the Rhineland in Germany. Uh, who's in the he's in the navy or something like that. I can't exactly remember. All right, so April twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Uh, marked 181 years since the disasters at Fort Upper Tract on the South Branch of the, of the Potomac and Fort Sabert on the South Fork of the South Branch of the Potomac. <clears throat> so far, little is known of Fort Upper Tract except that it was burned and a number of people were killed and captured with few names left behind. Now, a little more is known of Fort Sabert, the history of which uh, fills up a very dark page in the annals of Virginia. So to begin with, uh, Fort Upper Tract was built at Hugh, at Hugh Mann's Mill in Shelton and uh, Shelton's Great Tract, formerly known as Upper Tract of Virginia, in 1756. It appears that today its location is not known. Fort Sabert was, was also, I should, uh, Stop here. Sabert is S-E-Y-B-E-R-T. If anybody wants to look it up themselves, I pulled this from a few different websites. And it can be found on my page if you want to read it. So Fort Sabert was built within 100 yards of a mill that had been erected at the edge of the river. Some years before, which was there for quite a while before Fort Sabert was even built. First owner of the land was John Patton. Uh, who purchased from Robert Green on the 5th of November, 1747, uh, 210 acres of land on the southernmost fork of the south branch of the Potomac. This land had a corner to Roger Dyer, and, and in the original petitions filed in Augusta County for 1751 and 52, there's a petition for a road from Widow Coburn, Coburn's Mill on the south branch to John Patton's Mill on the south fork. 
On May 21st, 1755, John Patton Jr. sold his land to Jacob Sabert. And it is assumed that Jacob Sabert used the mill and that, and that the location of the fort on his land may have been determined by its proximity to the mill. As recently as the last 50 or 60 years, people, when plowing in the field by the river at Fort Sabert, have found tight rocks. The tradition is that they mark the site of an old mill. And I believe that stands true even over here in Tennessee. People, I guess they brought that with them. Plans for the building of Fort Sabert have not yet been uncovered in records, but there have been for some years a discrepancy between the pictured representation of the fort of, excuse me, sorry, something fell. There has been for some years a discrepancy between the pictured representation of Fort Sabert given by de Haas and the remaining depressions in the ground at the side of the fort, as well as in the description handed down by those living in the vicinity of Fort Sibbert. The de Haas picture is a wood engraving with no artist's name attached. <coughs> Excuse me. An authority on wood engravings finds it difficult to trace the origin of this type of drawing as they were frequently made by, the, by a printing company. When printing a book, after the, after the manner that lithographs are made today. This represents Fort Sabert as a large square stockade, much after the fashion of the conventional combined trading post and fort, sufficiently extensive to provide for a large garrison. Uh, the picture has been used repeatedly by historians as a source of, of a description and as a source of Mr. Kuntz's, Mr. Kuntz, excuse me, information as to its size and strength. De Haas says it was a rude enclosure cut out of the heart of the forest, but sufficiently strong to have resisted any attack from the enemy had the inmates themselves been as strong. People living in the vicinity of Fort Sabert today state that they can still trace the depression in the ground where the palisades were set on end and can well remember when the depression was more distinct than it is now. They consider it impossible that it was, they considered impossible that it was a number of log houses built so as to form a square or rectangle. Fort Sabert was located on the left left hand side, west of the South Fork River, situated on an eleva elevation which sloped rapidly to a ravine on the north, and descended abruptly over a ledge of rocks to the river on the southeast. So let's see. There's a description of Fort Sabert. There were numerous causes of the Fort Sabert massacre, but both remote and immediate, some of them have gone unnoted. Reverberations and echoes of it continued for many years, and there are notations in Augusta County records as late as 1772 which trace to this disaster. It was not until after Braddock's defeat in July 1755 that the Virginia frontier was threatened by incursions of parties of French and Indians, but they were continuously in danger for many years following, especially in the spring and fall. Now, George Washington was aware of that danger soon after he returned from Braddock's defeat. At Fort Cumberland, he wrote on July 18, 1755 to Governor Dinwiddie, Dinwiddle, excuse me, I tremble at the consequences that this defeat may have upon our back. Settlers who 
I suppose, will evolve their habitations unless there are proper measures taken for their security. Thus began the long struggle to protect the settlers. A cause championed by Washington in, in charge of the militia of Virginia at Winchester, in a situation only slightly understood by Governor Dinwiddie of the Virginia Assembly. The long struggle to give the frontier adequate protection, protection and the activities of the militia would make a voluminous, voluminous book of interesting and valuable proportions. Forts were gradually built, but nothing was done. Nothing that was done was adequate. Many people fled from their homes to the South Branch Valley in the fall of 1755. There was no unbroken peace for many years. Okay. In August 1756, Washington wrote to Governor Dinwiddie saying that we have built some forts and altered others as far south on the Potomac as sailors have been molested and there remains one body of inhabitants at a place called Upper Tract who need their who need a guard. I have ordered a party. Beyond this, I am not if I am not uninformed, there is nothing but a continued series of mountains uninhabited until we get well over the waters of the James River. Not far from the fort, which takes its name in your honor, and thence to May River. Building the forts did not give the people a feeling of safety, for in November 1756, Washington again wrote to Dinwiddie in a plea for more adequate protection. And it was as follows. In short, they are so affected with approaching ruin that the whole back country is in a general motion towards the other colonies, and I expect that scarce a family will inhabit Frederick, Hampshire, or Augusta County in little time. Well, now, Washington was opposed to the plan for the building of a chain of small forts and preferred to have several strong forts well garrisoned with companies of rangers going out from them. However, he presented a plan for the forts as the, assembled, as the assembly favored in November 1756, at which time he said, besides, most of the forts are already built by the country people or soldiers and require but little improvement save one or two as Dickinson's Fort and Cox's Fort. Now Forts Upper Tract and Saber are over-garrisoned. The garrison must have been removed for on September on September 1st, 1937. Nope, that's not right. After five people had been killed and eight captured on the branch, Major Andrew Lewis, who had been ordered to regulate the militia of Augusta County, wrote to George Washington. There is one place which is not yet garrisoned. The consequences may be so bad that it is uh, the branch, South Branch or South Fort between Captain Woodward's old station and Preston's. Captain Preston was stationed in the bull pasture, as the governor has not yet given me a direct answer, nor I believe I won't, or he won't, excuse me. I'm afraid the place must be deserted. The consequences of the following April is appreciated only slightly by those familiar with the published records and traditional stories of the surprise attack on Fort Sabre on a foggy morning when a number of men were away from the vicinity, having gone across the mountain on some sort of business. Mr. Waddell says that there was a shortage of ammunition in the fort, and Captain Sabre surrendered to the unfaithful promise of the Indians. 
in the hope of saving the lives of the people in the fort. No censor or blame should be placed on him for what he did in the hope of safety. Following the surrender came the massacre of 17 people, the capture of upwards of 24, and the burning of the fort. So I should back up here. So let's just go back to the 27th and 28th of April. The militiamen had went away on some sort of business. I, I don't know what it was. And Chief Dragon Canoe uh, organized a surprise attack against the fort. Um, from what I've, I read um, outside of this, Jacob Sabert uh, surrendered. And when, when his son uh, woke up, and found out he went up and punched Chief Dragon Canoe who hit him in the head with a tomahawk. So let's just continue here. What had happened was the people that were taken captive were marched um, were marched about a quarter mile up the mountain and they were placed on two logs which were conveniently placed um, the people on one log were to be killed and the other people on the other log were to be taken captive and on Dragon Canoe uh, actually excuse me this might be Killbuck uh, either one on their command they were to be killed and tomahawked but and the other ones were taken captive and ran off and went off to the uh, Indian towns, I believe, of Tennessee. Six days after this happened, on the 4th of May, 1758, Washington wrote to John Blair, then act, the acting governor of Virginia at that time, from Fort Loudoun, telling of the disasters. The notes are on this report are that Lieutenant Gist, with six soldiers and 30 Indians, marched from the 2nd of April from the South Branch towards Fort... I can't pronounce that. After a tedious march occasioned by deep snows in the mountains, they got to the waters of Mon Monongahela, where Mr. Gist was lamed by a fall from a steep bank and rendered incapable of marching. Some of the party stayed with him, and the rest, all the Indians, divided themselves into three parties and separated. Ukahala and two others found a large Indian encampment about 15 mi uh, miles on this side of Fort Des... I can't pronounce it, I'm sorry. From the size of it and the number of tracks, they judged it to be at least 100 people, making it directly to for the frontiers of Virginia as they again discovered... <coughs> as they again discovered by crossing their tracks. After the parties had joined and they were marching and Lieutenant Gist came upon the tracks of another large party pursuing the same course. Undoubtedly, these were the, among these were the Indians who perpetrated the massacres of Fort's Upper Tract and Fort Saber some days later, before Washington could send aid to the people. So after um, everyone was massacred in the fort and then the people were massacred on the log, they were all thrown into a mass grave, which I believe uh, you can actually go up to it today. 
It's nothing fancy, just a stone wall. And there's a small marker there. But there is more to be learned from official records and reports of these incidents, and revealing information is gradually still being uncovered to this day. So what I miss, I may make up for later as more information becomes available. Because we're learning new stuff every day. Now the Roger Dyer Family Association is planning to erect a monument at the grave of the victims of the Fort Sabre Massacre. Only five names are known, and among them is uh, uh, Johann Jacob Siebert. Uh, and Roger Dyer, of course, a few others. Um, they want to dignifying, dignify their historic past and honor the memory of the early settlers whose difficulties were so overwhelming. So, I want to conclude this up, but just summarize it all over again. Fort Sabert was, was in, uh, on the Potomac in Virginia where a Native American chief organized an attack after the militiamen had left. Um, they went in, massacred, uh, took some people captive, massacred the others who put up a fight. You know, they scalped them, um, which at that time it could have been something on the, along the lines of blood law, or they were simply paid off by the French. We just don't know yet what exactly the motive was. And the people taken captive, among those were uh, Johann's Johann Sabert's son, uh, my next down great grandfather, who was taken captive, and was one of the lucky ones who didn't get scalped on the log. Fort Sabert no longer exists, as it was burned to the ground right after the siege. So, with all that being said, I uh, hope everyone can make a little bit of sense of this. I didn't mean to ramble around. With the description at first, I wanted to get straight to the point. But I hope somebody um, learned a few things. Some sources for these are uh, www.wvculture.org. Uh, there's an article there about Fort Sabert. And then there's another article uh, from the Grant County Press in 1937. And is another interpretation of the Fort Sabert Massacre. So I hope everyone enjoyed. Um, hope some of you can make sense of it. Apologies if I felt like I was just rambling around and jumping from place to place. But it'd take me an hour to read through all this. Nonetheless, I hope everyone has a great rest of the Sunday. This has been Old History. Have a good day.